Do you wanna play a game? Do you like scary movies? Do you wanna eat some brains? Is your chainsaw arm groovy? How bloodthirsty could a talking plant be? Eat your liver with some fava beans and a nice candy. Come play with us forever, cause down here we all float. I never drink wine, so you're gonna need a bigger boat. Or a throat to choke, whether you're in the prim or dairy. Got red rum where your blood from. Put your dead son in a cemetery. It's him or carry. Be very afraid. You'll be our number one fan and get carried away. All working, no play, you know it always means you're in trouble, son. I came to chew gum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubble gum. What if Quint killed Jaws' his father? What if the Bob's body was marijuana? What if the leprechaun got a job as a bank guard? What if the Wolfman had a cowbell instead of Every nards? scary movie made since Oscar Wilde was writing letters Had canon to watch them all and tell you how to make them better So put your earbuds in and forget what you're planning It's time to take our heads and shoot them out of a cannon 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 Welcome to Head Cannon. Tonight we have a very special guest, Adam Dix. How are you doing this evening? Doing wonderfully. Yeah? Excited about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh, me too. I I had well, you know what? We'll get we'll get into the movie uh, when we get into the movie. Brent, how are you doing this evening? I came up with a new character. Okay, just oh? for anything in particular, just in general. Just like two hours ago, I came up with a new character. Okay, <laughs> yeah. I, I can only explain him in like three lines, right? I think it's three. Okay, okay. Uh, do I say his name? I think I should say his name. Yes. Um, yeah. Sorry, context. What is this format? What are we doing? This, we're, we're not, there's no format. There's, it's just oh, totally, so just out of a totally, totally random. <laughs> Go for it. Pasta John, all right, you ready? He's like, hey, my name is Pasta John. I'm a youth pastor at the St. Francis Church. Oh, you want to know my, you want to know my title? It's a uh, youth pastor, Pasta John. That's all I got. Okay. <laughs> I did. Youth pastor, Pasta John. I don't know. It's like, yeah. Is, is he, is he like a, uh, in any way related? Or maybe he's, probably. he's a foil of Papa John. Like his his brother John, who's also named John, went the pizza route, and he went the pasta route. He did pasta route, yeah, pasta John. Is, is there a reason why we're not going with like the youth pasta John? <laughs> yeah, like... because I think with his accent, it kind of sounds like he's just saying pasta pasta John. <laughs> oh, okay, so that is an intentional move. I was like, we could just go with youth pasta John, and he's like a macaroni. <laughs> yeah. All right, I love it. I love it. He really Ma likes Rasta music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not as good as Lieutenant Delicious, which is a, a, a cow character that Brent came up with. But uh, what was his actor? He's in the. He's a. He's a soldier in the Battle Cattle Squad. His name is Lieutenant <laughs> Lieutenant Delicious. Lieutenant Delicious. He's yeah. A cow. I I like the I love the thought. There's wordplay involved with all of these. Yeah. <laughs> that's Thanks. that's the only way to build a character. Uh, <laughs> the cattle battalion. What was it? Battle cattle. Battle cattle. Battle cattle. Lieutenant yeah. delicious. Well, when I was doing improv, what I would do is I would find random character sheets for like for role playing games. Like Dungeons I don't play and Dragons. Role games, but 
I noticed I could fill them out and it would help me build a character to do on stage. I love it. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's a good, that's a good <laughs> tip. A good tip out there for people creating characters. Uh, yeah. Now is is Rasta? Now I'm going with Rasta Pasta. That's not his name. Uh, Pasta, Pasta John. John. Is he is he made of pasta? No. Is no, he he's not. Like what is divorced. what is the pasta connection? I don't know. I think because I think maybe he's like Italian and like that's his nickname <laughs> that his friends gave him. He's like Pasta Pasta John will eat like so many raviolis. You won't even you won't believe it. Like got a little trumpy there in your accent. Oh, did I? It was oh, I was going yeah. for New York, but okay. That's ravioli. We love the pasta, John. We're gonna have we love around. ravioli. <laughs> nice. Skip for your D. Ravioli in a can. Adam, Adam, we we didn't have you scheduled until very recently, and I realized that a show you're working on is coming out soon. So we're gonna yeah, turn this up. We're, we're gonna turn this episode around pretty quick. I want to release it in like <laughs> in two weeks when the show comes out. Uh, so, okay. so so can you tell us a little bit about the show that will be out this coming Friday for anybody listening? Uh, and what yeah, what it is and and your role in it. Um. So my role, I was the props <laughs> and, and effects designer for uh, the show, um, the Cuphead show. On Netflix, uh, it's based on the video game uh, called Cuphead. It is notoriously hard to play, but it's all done in like a very 1920s, 1930s style rubber hose animation. So if you think like Felix the Cat or Betty Boop or uh, Steamboat Willie, mm-hmm. um, we did a lot of hard work and a lot of research to like make sure that everything feels super authentic as much as we can do with like limited budgets. Um, but we're really proud of it. Like this is easily one of like the coolest crews I've ever worked on. Everything, everything was referenced to something from the 1930s, you know, water effects from Popeye and smoke effects from, you know, the little tugboat that could, and you know, all these like old, most of my day was spent watching old animation, which was great, but the show is super fun. Um, I'm really excited. It's, it's like one of those Adam I'm really I, I really liked uh, seeing like like um, how the how the sausage is made in a way on your Instagram and stuff like it's so weird because I, I when I think of like animation I think it's like one person doing everything but you're like you're posting pictures and you're like yeah I designed like the flame and you see the little ice creams that are on the cone like I I, I did that it, it was so neat it's so neat to see yeah, yeah. It's, it's a super it's a super collaborative uh, medium. So like there's people who design the background, there's people who paint the backgrounds, there's the color artist that does all the color work for the props and the characters. I design the props and the effects and then we have character designers who are doing the actual character like modeling and then also doing like crazy expressions that the animators don't have time to like figure out. And then we have the direct the storyboard artists who like give us the whole thing and then we have the directors who like have the vision. It's it's a whole like it's a huge team. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, well, it's, it's really fulfilling though. Cause you get to like bounce ideas off of people all the time. Yeah. Well, and it's, and I imagine that like, especially as an animator, I imagine it would have to be very cooperative, but it just reminds me there's a, a guy, uh, that I see sometimes on, I think on TikTok, 
but it's a guy who's like a comedy writer and he worked on all kind like the biggest sitcoms ever but he was talking about how his favorite rooms i think he said the ben stiller show was the his favorite thing he worked on because it's all cooperative people are building on each other's ideas and like if you could contribute anything to a script you share it right it's like the script written by Corey jefferson and, and adam dix whatever but he was like contrasting that with the way Saturday Night Live works. And I've heard, I, I'm sure we've all heard about how Saturday Night Live works, how it's like very competitive and they pit everybody against against each other, which it just sounds terrible. That just sounds like a terrible way to work in like a competitive, like dog eat dog kind of scenario, you know? Yeah. I mean, and each, each show is different. You know, some shows there's a lot of egos and some shows it's, you know, you're so encapsulated by like the vision and the excitement of what you're doing that like, I don't know. It, the, the people, like the art director who picks the people who are getting on the team is also strategic. And like, these are the people that are going to get along with each other. These are the people who are going to fall in love with the vision. And that's kind of how Cuphead was. Like all of us were encouraging and like super eager to do what we're going to do. And it, like everybody sort of brought their A game. So like it forced you to elevate further. We're like, there's other shows that I've worked on that are a lot more like, and it's for the paycheck. It's fine. Like right. I'll get this one season done and I'm out. Whereas like this show in particular, I'm, I, I was on it for two years and it may be the greatest two years I've had in my career. It's <laughs> awesome. wonderful. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and well, like Brent was saying, like getting to see behind this, cause I've actually, I've watched a couple videos lately. That's like how modern animation is done with like 3d modeling and all, you know, because I'll just from my, you know, growing up, anytime you saw like behind the scenes stuff of how Disney animated their like two, you know, before Pixar and like the 3D digital art kind of was the way. I still imagine people at like at a at a desk with like papers like tracing on top of each other and like flipping papers back and forth and animating that way. And it's is is there much of that anymore? Or is that kind of gone the way of the dinosaur? No, no, people still do that. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it. it trying to work in one specific medium to answer a question oftentimes like gives you the same results, the expected results. So oftentimes when we're sort of feeling stifled or just kind of bored or just like we need something else, we'll switch to drawing on paper or we'll switch to doing it like a hand painted sort of thing. So with this show in particular like having to figure out and actually be, just spend days experimenting with different kinds of photoshop brushes just so that i could get the dry brush effect to look like like actual paint dry brush effect for say like the fire or whatever mm -hmm. um you know that's absolutely encouraged and like yeah we have deadlines and we have things to hit but like at the same time there is this sense of like find find the best way for the solution and if that includes doing it by hand and by paper, that's absolutely encouraged. And in fact, some of the early character design work for uh, for Cuphead was specifically drawn on paper uh, by some old Disney animators who came in and helped us out to like try and find, you know, what what is it about that hand drawn thing? Like, is it something about the paper, or is it something about the cells? Like, you know, and if you notice, like like in the the trailer thus far like you'll notice they're even like replicating the shadow that comes from a cell laying on top of a background or nice. you know the prop the props are maybe going to be like 
a slightly brighter saturation like how you would watch those old tom and jerry cartoons and you could always be like something's gonna move there something's gonna yeah happen yeah. There. yeah so yeah. like we're replicating that kind of stuff but we're having to like think about it in terms of how we're gonna do it and why we're gonna do it even to the point of like adding film grain and like little pops of like like dust here and there so they, they've gotten really specific um which has been super <laughs> cool because but you're also and then even, to innovate and come up with yeah. something new like brainstorm and figure it out yeah yeah well particularly with this show too like so during like the 1950s and 60s we had this big movement called sort of like well it's the modernist movement it's the same it happened in animation as well so you have people wanting to do these very simplified very streamlined very like you know what is art sort of you know what is the essence of human like so if we're going to draw a figure it's going to be very abstracted and very like we're going to push the boundaries and so in that time period we built this language of streamlining items and objects and figures and characters whereas the care the designers of the 1930s and the 1920s and 30s like they had never designed for animation before they were illustrators working for magazines and they were being asked to make things in a simplified manner so we have to put ourselves like in the mindset of what they're doing to like okay they are thinking purely volume there's no streamlining everything has to have like meat to it so it's also trying to figure out like we have to reinvent the way that they had to invent and like it's this like weird like so go back further and figure out like why did they do it that way and then try and approach everything that i do with that mentality um it's fun it's a good yeah. challenge <laughs> yeah that's really interesting was there was there anything like any old cartoon you watched or anything you hadn't seen before that you would recommend people seek out like maybe a, a cool cartoon from the the 30s that you were unfamiliar with you were like damn that's really good if i oh, okay um i mean obviously like like the merry melodies are like classic mm -hmm. right but if you want to go back and really enjoy some weird stuff, <laughs> I do. Like the old, the old Popeyes are bonkers. Like they're great. That and like we even did some things that they had done. Which, if you catch in the opening credits, the opening scene, the the background there is entirely stop motion. It's a built background. Okay. That's made out of clay. And in these old Popeye cartoons, like there'll be scenes that are drawn, but then you've got this giant like when he goes it's Popeye visits Sinbad it's one of the very first uh, color cartoons right that now. Disney didn't do <laughs> and you've got this giant condor that's like flapping with crazy perspective but the background is just this like circular loop of this canyon that the camera's just sort of riding along with and then they're animating on top of it it's super wild huh. um, but then also you like going back like rewatching Steamboat Willie or rewatching re you know many the moocher you realize a lot of these things not only are they not particularly well drawn <laughs> but also like there's not really much of a story right it's mostly gags like there's a very loose idea of like you know felix the cat needs to get from here to here this is the obstacle now let's do a ton of gags of felix and this obstacle and see like what interesting ways we can like make animation really goofy and that's kind of what made them fun which is this weird thing because we focus so often on like good story structure and like making sure that there's like a, you know, at least three acts and there's, you know, a, a payoff and that everything that was in the beginning is like somehow used in the middle to get to the end. But like those shorts are not like that at all. Right. They're just there for like 
get silly with it. Like go, go make yourself laugh. And like, I kind of missed that. Like I forgot <laughs> that drawing for me early on was just like, I just sat down to do it so I could make, make something to make myself laugh. Right. And so like, that's, what's been kind of fun about this, this series is like, you know, it, there is story in there, but like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's made special because there's just a whole bunch of zaniness along the way without it being like obnoxious. <laughs> <laughs> no, that sounds awesome. I can't, and everything like the pictures and, and stuff I've seen, like that you've shared of it. I mean, it looks, it looks really cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to checking it out. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. I mean, it's been, <laughs> it's been a couple years since I've, or it's not been a couple years. It's been a year maybe since I've seen really anything like fully animated that no, that like hasn't been released. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, all this work that we've done that we're just sort of like, Oh gosh, I hope it came back looking <laughs> as good as we hoped. So we're in the, we're like anticipating as much as anyone else. Yeah. Nice. Well, are you, are you working on anything else right now? Can you share what you're working on or is it, is it top secret? Uh, no, it's not. It's a show that's actually currently out. Um, I'm on the, the new season of the great North, uh, which is a oh, wow. uh, Laura, Lauren Bouchard, um, who did Bob's burgers in central park. Uh, it's a, Fox show that he's he's got um and it's uh it's fun it's uh I mean his his writing is always so funny um yeah I mean I only just started on it like I don't know three weeks ago so (laughs) I'm still getting used to like the style and the flavor of it have you made friends uh I actually I know I know the art director from when we worked on Central Park together um and a few other people, uh, but for the most part, being being that I'm at home and we're on Skype or, or sorry on Zoom every, I, I have a meeting like every Monday, and then the rest of my week is like, all right, I guess I'm just doing work, <laughs> nobody to talk to. So it's weird. Yeah. My friend is my dog. <laughs> yeah, man, that is that is weird. Yeah, because ever since COVID first hit, I've I've been working from home too, which is. Like, I have calls with people all the time, and especially my job now that I started, uh, not this past November, but the November before, I've been there just over a year. Like, as far as I, I might, I might be the only employee in Illinois, like, the, our, the, our office is in New York, so, like, I've never met anybody that I work with in person, um, well, except for one of my buddies that I worked with at another company with, but, yeah, it's real weird, like, being totally remote and never seeing anybody in person, and, uh... It's odd. It's, you just get a paycheck direct deposited into your account. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. Now, Brent, are you are you back in, in school? Yes. Uh, we did have a COVID scare at my school where we went virtual for a week. But I still went into the office and taught in my empty classroom, hmm. which was fine. It, it feels good in there anyway by myself. It's, I like it. But yeah, yeah but uh, we're back. We're back, baby. We shouldn't be. No one should be. <laughs> but you are. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, let's get into the. Uh, let's get into yeah. the movie. This this was a fun one, Adam, because I, I I feel like I tried to I feel like I watched this once before or I started to and I must have fallen asleep or maybe had too much to drink or probably both because I didn't I I did not recall having seen this movie and what what a treat it is I love this movie it was so much fun. It's it's one of my like go to like I just need something to watch. I know yeah. it's gonna like 
fulfill, and it always does. I, I can't That's believe so I missed this movie, and I'll, I'll be, I'm going to be 100% honest with you guys. I thought it was a movie about breakdancing. <laughs> to be fair, the name does lead to that. Yeah, I can see. You thought it was like Breakin' 3, like the sequel to Electric yes. Boogaloo? <laughs> I thought it was about, like, yeah, the, the community like center is being taken over. Yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. yeah, so everybody, it. so that the listeners know, we're talking about 2011's Attack the Block is, is what we're talking about. And, and uh, yeah, not any breakdancing that I recall in the movie, but uh, <laughs> yeah, none. lots of monsters, lots of aliens. I loved it. Yeah, it was good. I loved it. Well, you know, and I was trying to think, like, because there are so many movies where, like this one, it just starts out, like, right off the bat, you get into the action, shit starts going down, and it's, that's the story, is, like, what happens that night. You know what I mean? It's not a long, drawn-out story over time, or, you know, because most movies, you shift in time, you shift in the, you know, you go to different places, it, it can take, you know, maybe it's over the course of a week, or a month, or a year, or longer, and... You know, you obviously have long, you're going to have character development and character arcs. But but often movies like this, where it just like jumps into to the action and... This was just a question, question I was asking myself. I was like, why is this movie so satisfying? And I care about the characters. I care what they're doing. I feel like there is a, a little bit of a character arc for them. But, it, but I've seen other movies that where it's very similar, where they just jump in right into the action and go, 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 go. And I'm like... Yeah, but I don't really care about any of these. Like, I don't care. I don't care about any of these characters. But, and I was just kind of asking my question, like asking myself, like, what did this movie do that made it work? When I know I've seen other movies that that it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, and not that I expect anyone to have an answer, but that's just something I don't know, something to think about, something for our audience. It's to worth think exploring, about. though. I mean, because because part of it is like it uh, it a hundred percent plays with like. It opens with okay. Here's what you expect out of the stereotypes of right. this this group of kids in this kind of neighborhood, and then it goes this whole route of like it completely subverts it by giving the characters like reason and I don't know intention and empathy and heart and like, but does it in a way that doesn't ever feel forced. It doesn't ever feel like okay, now this is the scene where we learn about so and so's mom. It's <laughs> all done like within passing conversations. It's all done with like how they care about each other. That in in the midst of the situations that they're in, that I think that's where you begin to care about them. Um, and I mean, it also follows the classic trope of like, all right, like how do we establish the bad guy is not these kids? Well, let's have the bad guy kill the dog. Right. And then the bad guy kills the dog. And then you're like, okay, we're on their side. Yeah. <laughs> like it a hundred percent plays with like, it, it uses these really iconic tropes that, that we use, <laughs> but does it really effectively? Right. Um, yeah. That's, I know. Cause I, I read a lot of Stephen King and he's man, he is well aware of that trick. If you have somebody kill a dog, you, you it's over. It's over. You go, <laughs> you're never going to like that character. Like in fact, one of his, like his magnum opus. I'm I'm also a fan of his Dark Tower series. Right, you can have your main character kill a kid, and come back. He can you you can be redeemed for killing a kid. You kill a dog, no, you're done. Uh, wait, you're done. What happened at the end of Cujo? Um, was it Cujo? <laughs> that was they surely killed. Oh, I don't. I've never seen the movie. Well, or I read think, the book. They well, kill Cujo at the end. Well, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, but it well, and the book is different from the movie too. So. Yeah. Oh, do they like old yeller style them? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, the, take them out back. 
I forget what happens to the dog at the end, but it's uh, it's not a great ending for the humans, uh, okay. <laughs> depending on what version you you read or watch. But <laughs> I've also I've also never seen that, so I got yeah. nothing to add on this one. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that's when he was at the height of his like drinking and cocaine use. I'm pretty sure Cujo is the book where he was like. Yeah, I don't even remember writing that. Like, I just found the manuscript in a drawer, and I was like, "Oh shit, this is decent." <laughs> yeah, I remember. I remember hearing about that. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, yeah, I like. You know, I was thinking about this movie, and and uh, you know, just thinking about like deeper themes or whatever that might have been on the writer's mind, and I, I wonder, you know, watching it now since COVID hit, because it is like these, you know, these these kids who are you know, attacking people and mugging them on the street. Uh, notably this woman, Sam, who, who they, they mug at the beginning of the movie. And then through this external threat, they end up having to work together and come together. And it's, it's almost like the, like the end of Watchmen, right? When they, when Ozymandias like drops an alien on the planet and he's like, this will heal the world. Everybody can spoilers. If anybody hasn't read Watchmen like for the last 40 years, but but it's like there's this existential threat, so humanity can all come together and, and you know, fa- face this external threat, which, if we've learned anything uh, during COVID, it's that most people will actually just act like hi-hats, uh, the, the, yeah. the criminal drug dealer, and just go around, like, shooting people and taking out his petty grievances, despite the fact that there are these alien monsters running around. Yeah, yeah. there's that scene where like he's obviously got like seven or eight of those monsters behind him in the window he sees them in the window the kids run and then he still shoots at them for some reason yeah (laughs) yeah totally consumed by his petty his petty by uh, his own ego yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) so anyway Uh, yeah i think hi-hats represents more people than we would we would like to admit yeah, it's a very it's it's a surprisingly optimistic movie considering yeah. the subject matter. It is. I, I didn't yeah. know I didn't know Moses was the guy who eventually becomes Finn in the Star Wars movie. Yeah, John oh, Boyega. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's like his first or second movie. Like he it is. Yeah, he was young in this movie. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I didn't realize it was from two thousand. You know, two thousand eleven seems like so long ago, but it looks good. <laughs> the movie looks great. Yeah, I want to say he may have been like 15 or 16 when he did this movie. Yeah. He was young. Yeah. Pro- but going, going into why this looks so good, the VFX choices of making the monsters just like glowing teeth is yeah. my, like, they're just Muppets. It's so good. That, that are invisible because they're just so black. Like, it's the smartest thing I've ever, I've yeah. ever seen. They're yeah. both terrifying and silly and goofy at the same time oh that reminds me of do you remember the movie willow vaguely with, yeah with Val there, were dogs, there were these dog monsters in the movie willow that they just obviously like they they dressed ponzu up in like a like an old lady's <laughs> fur coat and then they didn't run around it's so funny, i haven't seen that and so that's one that's on my list to watch with my kids i haven't it's been so long since i've seen that movie but it's a weird movie it is, yeah. Mad Mardigan. Mad Mardigan, yeah. The dopest name ever. <laughs> oh man. There was a there was a handful of like weird fantasy movies that came out around that time, like re, like what was it, Return to Endor, and like they yeah. had the two like weird magical Star Wars ones in there, and then <laughs> when they did you have Conan and Red Sonia and oh, all yeah. that stuff, and then did they did like, like Dark Crystal at that time, maybe. Yeah, too? Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, and then you had like uh, 
Oh, what was that movie Legend with Tom Cruise? Yeah. yeah. And then and then even I think John, that was really Scott directed even. or something. What's that? Oh. I think that was Ridley Scott. Directed, That's what I was going to say. Recall. Yeah, I think so. I think it was Ridley Scott. Let's look it up. <laughs> but even like Google. Like, you ever seen that one? No. There's like giant crawl. Crawl? I think there's like a giant part of it, yeah. star with like an eyeball, like oh, a real eyeball. Oh, I do. Yeah, the, the, the like glaive. The, I think it was called a glaive. I remember that. Oh, cool. You remember the name? Nice. Yeah. Nice. And it was Ridley Scott. Yeah, it was Ridley Scott. And then even like John Carpenter had like a fantasy style movie during that time. I can't remember the name of it though. Anyway. They're, they're weird movies. <laughs> they, yeah. they have such an odd tone to them. They do. Yeah, it was a weird. Weird time for those movies. I read that Attack the Block was shot like in chronological order as well. Really? Uh, maybe like in a way you get to know and enjoy the characters more as they're like getting, getting to know and enjoy each other. Yeah, right? Maybe. Because there's a big turnaround. And I like what you said, Adam, about like you the way that you sort of peek into their lives instead of like cut scenes to like them at home where like it's just the one dude calling his mommy, you know? Like I pr- or or they're, they're running home to grab a weapon, which I thought was funny and cool. Yeah, as well, it just shows you where their lives are like real fast. Like you know, well, it gives you context to like what what is socially expected of them, right? Like they have to be tough, they have to be street, they have to be hood, and so like they gotta go fight this thing that attacked you know Moses, and so yeah. they go and they get like <laughs> what is it like flare like road flares and. <laughs> It's yeah. fireworks. Candles and, yeah, fire. Yeah. yeah, a baseball bat. And yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, we're gonna go get them in the playground. <laughs> and to realize, like, oh, this is much more serious. And yeah. that is such like an interesting thing. It's like, and it's a theme that I've always enjoyed in these movies that we've been watching for the podcast. And that is when there's kids involved, adult problems being solved by kids. I always like that idea. Mm-hmm. You know, <clears throat> um, um, in the movie, like it follows that, that a bit. Uh, I think the movie that maybe we watched together, the um, Hereditary, even did that a little bit as well. Like the way kids will handle a, a crisis, right? Yeah, but yeah, by by accidentally knocking somebody's head off out the window, I think is a, is a <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it also it, it is wonder. It is a wonder that like they the one person who is an adult in the whole thing is there. There's Sam, and then there's Hi Hat. And Nick Frost, who is Ron. <laughs> right. And those are kind of the three. I guess there's also uh, Luke Treadaway's character, uh, the, the the white pothead kid who, who's ca- whose car gets destroyed. Yeah. Like the yeah, four, yeah. Those are the four adults that, that really are part of the story. And only one of them is like equipped mentally to handle any of this. <laughs> right. The other three are just unavailable. There's yeah. no help at all provided. Yeah, yeah. There was that funny scene with the with with the kid who gets his car destroyed, and then Mr. Frost, where there's the, the the shot. It starts with them sitting on the couch, and they're just like completely silent, and you have no idea what they're doing, and then they just like explode <laughs> like a, a bunch of smoke out of their mouth. <laughs> yeah. And if I'm right, I think that's the scene where they're watching like Planet Earth on the background or something like that, and it's talking about pheromones. Like it's so oh, specific is... oh, to really? like what's going on with like the aliens like trying to find the female i didn't pick up on that i love i love when they do that though cool 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love foreshadowing. Like when the kid is like when they're on like the bridge scene and the kid's yeah. like, I can jump, I can do it. I'm like, yeah. he's gonna jump. He's like, gonna, he's gonna, gonna have to do it. Eventually, <laughs> <he> better. <laughs> and he does. That's in the animation you were talking about. That's like the background rock that you're like, that's going to move and fall <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. on the <laughs> <laughs> Well, that sort of goes back to like why this movie, I think, critically is so good. Is that like everything like that, like every little scene somehow has something to do with something later that creates a resolution. Even to the point of them mugging Sam at the beginning, like it pays off with her being like, her having to like find her courage to like live in this neighborhood and like stand up to these kids, but also like recognize their humanity and like the empathy of that scene where like they, they get attacked in her apartment while she's like doing her, her job to make sure that they're taken care of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, they're like, you're a nurse, fix him. <laughs> yeah. And she's, she's, right. she's played by Jodie Whittaker who I need, I, I've, I know she's Doctor Who. Doctor Who, yeah. I, I and I have a, I know a lot of people who watch Doctor Who and love. I feel like it's something I would love just based on my friends I know who. But it seems like such a monumental task to yes. wade into Doctor Who at this point. I just never you have. And I are gonna have a long conversation. <laughs> <laughs> you, do well, you... not a long conversation, but like I'll I'll tell you where to start because it's absolutely worth it. Like Stephen Moffat is one of the best writers that's okay. currently out there. Like, he did... I don't know. He's just... He's written some of the most, like, terrifying villains in that show that, like, still creep up in my head. Like, anytime I see a statue of anything, I'm like, I don't trust it. I don't trust it. <laughs> that's but awesome. There's some really, really good content uh, from that show. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, like, where to start so it doesn't get overly bogged down. Okay. Because uh, <laughs> it just, it feels like so much. And and a lot of the actors, like, I've seen in others, like, I love a lot of stuff David Tennant's done. You know, I just rewatched uh, the first season of Jessica Jones recently, like. Um, He's great in that. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's it's yeah, one it's one of those things where I'm like, I feel like I would love this, but I just don't feel like I have the time to love this. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and this is one you can probably watch with your kids. Yeah. Too. Like it's 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 meant to be friend friendly. Yeah. Although like it, it can get scary, but it's never like something that can't be solved in the twenty two minute or thirty minute <laughs> show. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well I love uh just going back to, to attack the block, I love I, I just wrote this line down because I thought it, I thought it was funny, but all the the names that they call these things, like the gorilla, tiger looking motherfuckers, and and they're like trying to find all these. And it won't. I like when they go to the apartment, and I don't know if it's Nick Nick Frost's character or maybe it's Hi Hats, but one of the guys in the apartment in the very beginning, they're like uh, trying to figure out what it is. They're like, oh, it's like a monkey fucked a fish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean that must have been script wise like super fun to write to just like sit down and be like yeah. they just there's nothing to describe it so like let's let them try yeah yeah and i like how it's just like flopping around on his back at the end and they're just like they're just like dragging it along <laughs> wear it like a backpack yeah that's <laughs> yeah and it looked different than the others that initial that first one and so like that was like another foreshadowing thing when i realized made the connection i was like okay this is like a like a zombie or more more so like when like any alien movie where they attack a bunch of people die at the beginning the main characters then become savvy to how to evade or kill and then at the end in these alien movies there's always like a big swarm 
but they've discovered their ultimate weakness kind of thing. And then that's <laughs> how the movie ends. Right. Also, just the way that the the swarm in this one happens with, like, the outside, like, the reveal shot, like, outside the building looking up, and you just see, like, it being crawled on by a ton of, like, a ton, a ton of them. It's so great. Yeah. It's so spooky. <laughs> it is. Yeah. And you know what? This movie also reminded me of at times is especially when they were like on the streets riding around on their bike and their moped and they've all got their own form of transportation uh, was Akira. I don't know if you if you got that yeah. at all, but yeah, yeah, totally yeah, reminded I mean, me of Akira. It's kind of that like that. I mean, it's it's Akira. It's Goonies. It's you know, it's just a group of friends who are like trying to solve a problem, and there's something about that like kid camaraderie that like that's the tone that it, it is for me. Like when I feel it, it's like. Oh, man. And when you were through buddies and you're like, we, we can solve anything. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, especially when they're all grabbing their weapons and every, like you said. that's and Yeah, because that first alien was so easy to kill for them. They just, like, stomped on it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It boosted the confidence for sure. Yeah, they're like, yeah, we can do whatever. <laughs> Until <laughs> poor Pogo. Until Pogo, yeah. P- Pogo! <laughs> Pogo! <laughs> oh, poor thing. Yeah, but it's, it's kind of, and I love when a movie can take like things that, that, that it's obviously influenced by and kind of replicate, I just kind of remix things in a way. I don't know. The matrix always comes to my mind because a lot of the, pretty much everything in that movie had been done before, but it hadn't all been put together. Right. So you've got this like dystopian sci-fi, this like, like these cyberpunk elements, but then they also mix in Kung Fu. And then there's just like, all they're like, let's just take all the shit that we love and we're just gonna we're just gonna cram it all together in one in one mission, yeah. and it, and and when it works, it's awesome, you know. Yeah, like suddenly Moses is like a is like a samurai sword master. <laughs> he's got yeah, he's got the. I mean, he got lucky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, it, I think it, that's I think the moment where like he took ownership of his like leading the group. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Can we talk about props and mayhem? I was about to say that. Yeah, I love those two. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, those kids. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like they are the sugar on top of this already, like very watchable, very fun movie. Yeah, yeah. Probs and mayhem, and and I love and I love that even they like had their little character arc where they by the end of the movie they earned their names. You know. Yeah, yeah. They like they showed that they they had like the grit to be in that neighborhood with like <laughs> the gasoline and the, and yeah. the squirt gun. Yeah. <laughs> they figured it out. Yeah, yeah. I heard that the director in um, preparing for the movie just quizzed like a bunch of kids of like, what would you bring? What would you bring in a zombie apocalypse? What would you be your weapon? Really? And he took from that. Like That's there was great. one. There's one scene that he took from like, like he showed the mo- he showed the the alien to a girl. He was like, would you like? Would you pet this? You know, would you get near this alien? And she was like, oh no, like I don't want to get chlamydia. <laughs> <laughs> put that line in the movie that, that's a great line too. yeah <laughs> yeah and that that group of girls was fun too like you didn't spend a whole yeah. lot of time with them but their but their characters were fun as well you know but like when you are with them that's the scene where like where moses's best friend gets killed where like it really takes a turn where you're like oh this isn't like playing around like we're gonna we're gonna defeat the aliens and no one's gonna get hurt like stakes just went up yeah it's an amazing scene yeah that's true because i did have the the thought occurred to me where 
it would have been equally satisfying. Like in other kids' movies, like you mentioned the Goonies, like in a lot of them, there are still stakes and there's still like you still feel tension, but you know right. everybody's gonna get out alive at the end. And this yeah. movie could have been that. But data data doesn't fall into the pit and get impaled by spikes right. and Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And this movie could have been that, and I think it still would have been satisfying. But yeah, the fact that they just, like, well, I think I think by that point in time, you kind of start feeling that it will be that, Mm -hmm. and I think that's why it's well placed because like you can't help but have like an internal panic, like, oh no, (laughs) they gotta run. This is for like they've really got to try and beat this thing. Like, right. Yeah, it's, it's not just about clever kids like being clever now. It's like no, this is you. You forcibly made clever, or right. else you're dead. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, you see like the cops get killed, and then what's that guy's name? Tonks or whatever gets killed, and you're like, okay, the bodyguard but those... or yeah, hi hi hats bodyguard, hi hats part, yeah, yeah, Tonks, Tonks. Yeah. Which that poor guy, man, he like hi hats <laughs> just like fed him to the wolves. You know, he's like, go yeah. go check it out. And it shows it shows hi hats character more too because. You think that maybe they're friends? They're driving in the same car. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I don't want to go." And then I had immediately like, points his gun just right in his face. Yeah, he's like, no, you're going. Well, I mean, Hi Hats was also just like in terms of a of a good script of having like a secondary threat. Like mm-hmm. that guy really fulfilled that role. Yeah. And then to have that scene where like he's in the elevator with the with the aliens and then walks out just covered in blood, but like yeah, on it you're like, ooh. I was hoping that would look out. Yeah, it's yeah. it's yeah, so that's that is that's such a great scene. Yeah, where he just comes out of the elevator. And I feel like in in like you said Brent, there are things you have to do in movies like this or stories like this even. And I feel like there always is that that secondary villain that's cuz you have to have a human villain, right? I, you almost <laughs> have you almost have to have yeah, some kind of something with human thought that, that can that can behave in a, in a villainous way, you know? And to be fair, I think the stakes of this human villain, like, if, if we're looking at something like maybe Shape of Water, where, like, you've got the human villain sort of like, why are you even, what do you even care? This is just about money and ego, whereas, like, for Hi-Hats, like, the status is his whole life. Right. Like, the stakes are much higher for this villain. Yeah. So, like, in terms of which one's like scarier for reasons of like context, Hi Hats absolutely wins for me on that one. Like, yeah, oof. yeah. it's so weird because like he knows he knows the aliens are out there, but yet his only thing is like, I need to kill Moses tonight, <laughs> right? And yeah. Why not just wait? You know, like, maybe I should, I'll stay in the crib for like a day, maybe. Right. You know, learn Moses's routine and then kill him then. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Not he was, wasn't playing the long game at all. Not at all. <laughs> it's kind of a crappy neighborhood, right? Like Yeah. Yeah, and, and like the setting is weird cuz it's like it's like a real crappy neighbor and there's like there's like a display of fireworks happening like the like almost the entire time, you know? Yeah, it's I think it's supposed to happen during like New Year's or something. So like nobody like it's actually a story point where like nobody notices that like there's aliens falling in the city yeah. because there's fireworks where they can't really see that there's like yeah. you know shooting stars going on. Yeah. So I had a thought about that. Like maybe the neighborhood wouldn't be so shitty if the budget committee spent a little less on fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. 
<laughs> you yeah. that's the note that you were hoping to get to. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say, the scene like whoever decided like, you know what's gonna be cost effective? Hallways that are dark until you punch a light and then it's only gonna be lit for like mm, thirty seconds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then to use that as like a just a point of tension and just yeah. Nerves. It's yeah, they're they're so either nuts. they're either dark or we're gonna fill them with smoke. Like one. one <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I but I love the little bit of like uh to to your point, Brent, about like you know taking more resources to help. I love that they slipped in just a little bit of social commentary where Sam's character is talking about how she has a boyfriend who's like off uh, helping oh. kids in Africa or somewhere. I don't know. You know, yeah. and some somebody's like. Uh, what you know? Why why can't he help the children of Britain? Are are we not exotic enough? You know, and I yeah. was like, I was like, ooh, yeah, ouch. <laughs> well, no, the whole film has a lot of that that dialogue too. Specifically in that scene where they're talking to Sam in her apartment, like it's it like, and that's where he, they talk about you know why her boyfriend's in Africa and not helping the kids there, but like specifically with how the cops see them and like how he was actually threatening her with like a pen rather than an actual knife and yeah. all this stuff. And just like, we're just trying to get by and live. Right. Like the intimidation's all it is. Like I couldn't actually commit to it. And then when he has to with the monsters is, is wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So good. There's just so, man, so much to talk about, but I know we're, we're kind of getting close to time here. Was there anything else about the movie you guys uh, wanted to touch on that we didn't before we get into headcanons? When, when the girls are getting attacked and they take the, that one chick takes the lamp uh-huh. and like smashes the bulb and then shocks the critter. Like, yeah. Would that work? Would, would, I thought it was a good idea. Would, would that like shock you if you got stabbed with one of those? That's a good question. I wondered the same thing. I have my doubts. I, don't know. I know that I'm always terrified to touch the filament at, in a broken bulb. Yeah. <laughs> that's where my that's where my question ended. I was like, yeah, I believe it. Yeah, same. Yeah, but you cut a potato in half and then you stick it yeah. and you unscrew it that way. Yeah. You ever do that? Yeah. I don't know. I got I it off like the, the potato's not made of rubber, so right. technically that would still pass the electricity through. Yeah, that's true. You know what? There was there was one time I was a kid and I was at my buddy, uh, my friend Dustin's house. Dustin Henderson, uh, you probably know. Yeah. Um, but I was at his grandparents' house, so I was unfamiliar with it. And when I would stay over at his grandparents' house, we would hang out like we would have the finished basement to ourselves. And I remember I went down there one time, and I was like, it was totally dark, and I was feeling up this lamp. Like, I had my hand up under yeah. the shit. <laughs> so I was, this I was, is teaching I was, a very sexy picture. Yeah, so I was fondling this lamp. <laughs> Uh, no, but I had, like, I was reaching under the lampshade to, like, try and figure out how to turn this lamp on, and apparently there wasn't a bulb in it, but the lamp was on for some reason, so I stuck my finger in the thing, and it knocked me on my ass, I was like, what the fuck, what the fuck was that, so, but, but I don't know, like, poking somebody as a weapon, I don't know if that would work, I don't know. Whoa. To answer your question, or to not answer your question. But yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna suspend my disbelief enough to go. Yes, it could. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, if, if, in, in, the, in the moment. Yeah, yeah, for the movie. Um. Well, all right. Do you guys have uh, have your head cannons ready, or do you want me to go ahead and go? It doesn't matter to me. I 100 percent have mine ready. You have these ready? Okay, go ahead. I want to hear it. I just want the monsters to be actual Muppets. 
or like Skeksis or something, just like just to make it stupid, like just a bunch of Elmos, just <laughs> like the whole way. It would be a very different movie. <laughs> it would be, but especially if they were still like as savage and just like tore people apart, but they were yeah. cute while doing it. I love it. Yeah, It'd be a fun one. <laughs> yeah, Brent, how about you? Um, I always like to go that like the prequel route that like Moses grows up to become a clone warrior. Okay. <laughs> Which he did, like <laughs> right in our Yeah. Yeah, he grew up to be a, a stormtrooper. Um, yeah, yeah. Where's, right. where's the sequel where that we get between those two, where we see how he went from the east side of London to space? Yeah, right. yeah. I want to yeah. see it. I want to see that. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear your story. Okay, so for my head canon, do you know the artist Anish Kapoor? Are you familiar with him at all? The name is really familiar. So he, for one thing, he designed the Bean or the Bean in Chicago. But apparently he oh, yes. he hates yeah, he I hates exactly when people he, he hates when people call it the bean because it's it's I the Skygate or something whatever it's supposed to be, but he's also notorious for developing the blackest black, which I think I think was called Vanta Black, and he like he patented it so that he's the only person in the world who can use the blackest black. He wouldn't let anybody else use it. He like he so so then in response to that, this other artist created black two point black yeah black or black black 2.0 and also the pinkest pink but in uh-huh. order in order to purchase those colors you have to sign a waiver guaranteeing that you are not Anish Kapoor you're not employed by Anish Kapoor and you will not give the color to Anish Kapoor so anybody in the world can buy the blackest black and the pinkest pink except for Anish Kapoor for being such a such a douchebag when it comes to that stuff so Anyway, so that setup is to say. <laughs> Wait, okay. So we got the blackest black. So you got, got the, black, the aliens. The alien. So, so it's a legal. Wait, can you it's add a, a little bit of white between the aliens the new- and Anish Kapoor? Yeah. Can you add a little bit of white to the newer blacker black I, to become the Anish Kapoor black? I don't think so because what is the Anish Kapoor. His, I think it has something to do with like the chemical composition. Yeah, because because Vanta Black was like really potent and like hazardous like it was hazardous to work with too like it's yeah not, whereas the newest black is non-toxic non-toxic totally yeah it's just a better it's better all around um that's right but, but yeah. anyway yeah so my my headcanon is that anish kapoor sees these aliens and steps in and tries to sue them for being <laughs> for being the blackest black and uh and and during the uh, the trial they just attack him and eat him and and yeah uh, that's that's my headcanon. I th- I think that wins for me. Yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I just want like a Judge Judy style moment to happen though. Just that boom boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on either side. Yeah. She's like Anish, Anish. Now stop. Now listen. You're gonna listen to me. You're gonna answer my questions. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Great. Well, cool. Was it? Was but there any Judge Judy could like sentence people to prison and stuff? It, what? Like, what if it, the stakes were higher in that? If she's like show. handing out the death well, sentence. She... I, don't, I don't think she's legally a judge, though. <laughs> yeah, but what if she like sentenced Anish Kapoor to like a cell that's the walls are just his own black as black? He would he would lose his mind. <laughs> oh my god, that would be the worst. <laughs> <Pink is pink. laughs> yeah. That's funny. Well, somebody uh, was saying that. Well, that... <laughs> <laughs> somebody was saying that there's a color, there's a certain shade of pink that. 
for a while they thought calmed people down. So there are actually a lot of jail cells oh, and, and other right. other thing uh, like other kinds of room like psych- psychiatric wards maybe where they're like the rooms are painted pink and the the idea was that they would calm people down but the video I was watching uh gives some doubts about whether or not that actually works but well and then there was so, that Texas um that Texas warden who made all of the prisoners wear the pink jumpsuits and I think he based it off that idea, but his was more like evil. His is more like I want to just emasculate, like degrading, these yeah, and yeah, degrade yeah. them even, which I thought was really weird. So I actually have some insight on this stuff. Oh um, shit! Color, yeah, color theory. Color theory is an interesting thing because, like, it absolutely plays with like psychology, and like most of it is based on sort of what we are surrounded by and what those colors generally and typically represent. Mm-hmm. So like part another one of those studies that was like never paint your kitchen yellow because yellow sort of encourages madness and they sort of i think did this research in like by painting mental uh instant or uh, mental health facilities like back in the day and just sort of recorded how people reacted and yellow always sort of like agitated people um but things that are yellow tend to be you know if they're a vibrant yellow tend to be warm and sunny and happy and poppy if they're like a muted yellow or like a desaturated yellow they tend to feel sickly um and sort of ill you know like the color of phlegm so it's always sort of related to like there's some sort of connection to like you know skin tone for you know for white babies tends to be that color of pink and therefore it becomes soothing towards probably white people because that is the the color of sort of mother's skin mm-hmm. um whereas you know blue for some other people tend yeah the nipple yeah whereas like blue could be peaceful because it's sort of the big vastness of the sky but it also completely relates to how that individual relates to those objects eskimo as well. like eskimo exactly <laughs> <laughs> well, whereas like if somebody's like you know afraid of open spaces that light blue might be terrible for them right. but it's entirely based on like a whole bunch of factors of like just socially what it's related to and also like what it means relative to the individual that's cool yeah that's super interesting and i feel like probably like a lot of things like language would play into it too because i i was reading something recently i guess like russians are really good at like picking out differences and like hues of blue because they have they actually have a word for dark blue and a word for light blue. So they see them as... Yeah, Spanish is that way too. Oh, is it? Okay. Okay, yeah. So they actually, like, think of them as two different colors. So they can, like, recognize... They can distinguish, I guess, better between different shades of blue than than yeah. may, maybe, like, English speakers could, you know? Well, there was, I was another thing about, too. I was thinking about the Russians a couple days ago. Yeah. There was this news story, and it was... And I don't know anything about what Vladimir Putin does. I don't know anything about... But it was just like... The news story was like, Putin's already got soldiers past the border of Ukraine. Right. And I was like, okay. I, I was like, where's the Ukraine? And so I Googled it. I just Googled Ukraine and right. I found the map. And then I was, and then on the map I noticed was like a spread of like, here's Russia, here's Ukraine, here's the other places. But then like the big cities, you could hover the, the cursor over and it would tell you the weather. Okay. And I just kept doing that and find looking at the weather in other countries. And I thought, these fucking Russians distracting me from the story. <laughs> with, with, 
They don't want me to know about those soldiers in Ukraine. Right. I'm on you. So they, so they put weather on Wait, did city. they infiltrate Google to, to show you the weather in Kiev? I'm That's on right. you. We're on to you, you, you Ruski bastards. <laughs> Try to tell us your weather. <laughs> That's a true. That's a true thought pattern that I have. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh man! Next week we're going to be talking about the 1992 film Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, or Brain Dead, as it was known outside the U.S. As always, you can follow us on social media on Facebook at Danger Explosion Presents Head Cannon, on Instagram at Head Cannon Pod, on Twitter at horror movie pod and you can always follow the subreddit r slash horror movie pod all right well well gentlemen yeah. anything anything else you want to touch on or plug or again everybody should check out the the cuphead show when it comes out uh, but when this episode comes out the show should drop on friday i believe right february yeah we, we air february 18th i believe okay yeah yeah, yeah. so two days from now when people are listening to this so Cool. Well, Adam, thank you again. It's always a pleasure to have you on. We'll, we'll have to have you back yeah, again. I can't wait to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. I, same. <laughs> you keep making me watch fun movies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And vice versa. Yeah. I'm so glad yeah, I, I saw this one. I love this movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so thrilled. When you told me you hadn't seen it, I was like, we are, you're absolutely watching this <laughs> one. So I'm, I'm glad that you finally have had like a moment with it because it's, it's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. So good. Yep. Cool. All right. Well, thank you again. And thank you everyone for listening. This has been Head Cannon. Ah! <laughs>